This is the Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on the Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, and welcome to the Hash here on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward. That's Jen Sanasi, Wendy O, Will Foxley. We're the Hash today. We're getting you up to speed on what's going on in the world of crypto and more. And we're going to start off with some PayPal news from Jen. Jen, take it away. All right. PayPal's new stablecoin is off to a slow start. That's according to data from Nansen. The data firm says that few people are using or holding PYUSD token in self-custody wallets. They also said that smart money holders seem to be avoiding the stablecoin so far, saying that Paxos is custodying more than 90% of supply. And exchanges like Kraken and Crypto.com hold just over 7% of supply. Uh, Will, I'm going to pass this one down to you. Are you surprised there was a big excitement in the industry when this news was announced? But are you surprised to see that, you know, maybe not a lot of people are holding on to these stable coins just yet? I'm not super surprised. I mean, it just launched. So I think we just need to you know, be patient a little bit here. We're also like in the depths of crypto winter. This isn't like a bear market anymore. This is just a total lack of interest, apathy all over. So for people not to be picking things up right now, that's not surprising. I hope PayPal looks at these numbers, whoever the product manager for this product looks at it and is like, okay, the time will come for this at some point. And they probably baked that into the strategy as well, right? They have a lot of resources to be able to look at the market and look at the past launches of these coins. And sometimes they take forever to get adoption. I would suppose that they actually are working with larger companies and doing like a B2B model as opposed to a retail model first. And that'll also help them out on the regulatory side, right? Where they're not just like issuing this token out to anyone who has Venmo, who has PayPal on the desktop. They're probably going to go work with institutions and larger companies work first to see if this actually works for them. So that's not super surprising to me, just how the market is right now. Wendy? I am not surprised at all by this. We're guys, we're in a bear market. So this makes sense that there's not going to be a whole lot of usage with crypto, especially when we're talking about like Web2 brands. Um, PayPal is a massive Web2 brand that facilitates money to people all over the world. I used to use it for eBay all the time. So I don't understand why people would just jump on the stablecoin bandwagon from PayPal when it's just a lot easier to use cash and to use electronic currency in that fashion. So to me, it's no big deal. And um, yeah. Yeah. PyUSD, I think, is very much retail play, right? And we've seen over crypto history that retail excitement happens and then retail excitement goes away, right? The DeFi DGENs aren't going to be aping into PyUSD to do cool things on chain, right? So I think what we'll see is a slow, steady uptick, possibly, until sort of that next euphoria kicks in. And then I'd be interested to see what happens then, right? When stable coins become a bigger part of the picture at the retail level, at the PayPal customer level, as opposed to those who are familiar and conversant already with things like Tether or things like USDC. So yeah, holding judgment on this one, because I don't think it's necessarily going to be super duper on-chain bonanza with PyUSD for the foreseeable future, just given those broader market conditions. But it could be a really interesting sort of retail indicator, or I guess retail index for stablecoin usage going forward into that next wave of excitement. And that I think will be the the revealing data uh, is still to come, I would venture, about what PyUSD means for the market as it relates to onboarding folks from, again, these highly custodial options into more crazy on-chain stuff. That, I think, could be a really interesting set of data that we'll certainly look at in the future. But Jen, saw your hand. Yeah, no, I agree with all of you. I think it is just a low time uh, in the crypto markets. There's a report on Coindesk this morning saying 
that Ethereum has hit its eight-month low when it comes to daily transaction fees. So I think this isn't just a stablecoin conversation. I think PayPal is going after a very different audience than some of the other stablecoins that are out there are going after. And it's slow and steady wins the race here. I don't think that they were expecting to see massive, massive mainstream adoption right away, just given what's happening not only in the markets, but on the regulation side of things too. And so I can imagine that they're treating this as like a pilot or testing phase. And I expect, and again, this is backed on no insider information, I haven't spoken to anyone from PayPal, but I probably expect them to come out with some kind of educational strategy to get that mainstream audience once there is more interest, once we hit the next bull cycle and there's some collaborations and partnerships in the works. So yes, I am also not surprised by this report. And I hope that it doesn't uh, shake PayPal because there's probably a longer strategy here. You guys ready to move to Prime Trust? Let's this is like it. worse news, Ooh. but it's still stablecoin land news. So Thursday, we got new court filings from CEO Jor Law, who spoke about the port investment in the Terra Luna stablecoin. Prime Trust lost $6 million of client funds and $2 million from its own treasury. This, of course, comes after they lost about $80 million total in both fiat and crypto of client money when they had their wallet set up incorrectly. Right now, Prime Trust is going through a receivership process with the state of Nevada. Prime Trust was one of the largest backends for a lot of crypto marketplaces. People use them to build wallet services for exchanges, for receivership and ownership of crypto assets. Um, now it's starting to fall apart a little bit. This also comes after BitGo tried to purchase Prime Trust, but that fell through again because of uh, a lack of financial security within the firm. Jen, I got through the story over to you. More bad news at Prime Trust. Like, there's the legal filings for this one are put up with the best of the best in terms of like bad judgment decision yeah. making from companies. What a mess. Now, I have to say, when I read, you know, poor planning, like companies in the bull market had poor planning, they couldn't see what was going to happen in the bear. I am a little bit sympathetic because, you know, there's a lot of demand in the bull market. There's a lot of like mainstream collaborations and partnerships, and you need resources to keep up with that. That said, that I don't think that happened here. I think that this is just a total mess when I read through this. There's some stuff I want to point to. They said that they were outspending and gave some numbers. So October, the company spent $10.5 million, but only made $3.1 million. So they lost $7 million in October. And then it's like no one learned anything. They went on to November and spent $11.1 million and lost eight some odd million dollars. And so that is crazy. I feel like that is poor planning. That is not looking at what's happening at your company and readjusting and being flexible. And those are some of the um, allegations that are made against the executive team here that they were not able to adjust and be flexible. The other crazy thing here is this wallet situation. They lost access to their wallet because I'm just going to tell our audience what happened here super quickly. And I'm going to pass it to Zach because he is nodding along with a big smirk on his face. So Prime Trust moved its wallets over to a system operated by Fireblocks. Then they did not realize that the migration from the legacy wallets to the new system was incomplete and that customers were still sending funds to that wallet. And then it learned of the mistakes later when an unidentified customer requested a large amount of ETH and withdrawal and they could not fulfill that. And then it seems like they were converting fiat into ETH to fulfill these requests, which just sounds crazy. But I'm honestly not shocked or surprised given all the news we've been covering over the last six months to a year. Dak? Ah, uh, the case of 98F, that wallet episode. It just <laughs> reads like Prime Trust, no good, very bad, horrible day. That whole saga. We knew a little bit, I think, back in June 
about this mishap that occurred when they're transitioning their system over to Fireblocks, which is another custody provider. And that one just reads like a saga of pain. So yeah, check out the court filing for a full telling of the 98F episode. And then think to yourself that yes, custodying digital assets can be hard even for those professionally entrusted to do so. So I think the custody conversation is very relevant here. I will point out that the Terra Luna collapse continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. So much of the pain in the market really stems from people getting overextended into that ecosystem on the strength or the apparent strength of the promises by Doquan and others. And that ended up being sort of a landmine that many a project, including now Prime Trust, stepped on in terms of losing funds and losing the ability to stay solvent. So yeah, Terra, definitely part of this story. But I think probably the bigger picture is that custody story, right? We keep going back to this idea of like, custody is a set of trade-offs. Self-custody has its own trade-offs. Having a custodial arrangement with an outside party has another set of trade-offs entirely. But this one to me just represents, again, the difficulty that many people, especially entering the space, face when thinking about this challenges of self-custody. Because these guys got burned really bad by not being able to access something that you know was a big part of their business, and they only lately only realized like later on that oops, like we don't have the steel engraved things that we need to access this, and it just becomes a big big problem. So the custody angle maybe is the most illustrative here for people themselves, but um, certainly yeah, pretty uh, pretty painful telling of that whole episode. But yeah, businesses man, they remain fascinating to cover because you get these uh, these sort of after the fact tellings of all the things that went wrong. Wendy, what do you think? What happens if we ever have like a Bitcoin back ETF that's from TradFi and they actually have to hold the Bitcoin and like somebody loses the keys and that happens? Oh man, that'll be a day. Oh boy. Let's hope that doesn't happen. That's my take. That is a hot take, Will. What happens if, but no, I'm being serious. What (laughs) happens if the SEC would have stepped in initially and said, hey, if you're going to be custodying these products, if you're going to be, you know, acting as a broker, whatever it is. You actually have to have the reserve, the reserve set to a certain area. Like we have to be able to check, you know, to make sure that those reserves are set more transparent. If the SEC would have actually done their job, I feel like we wouldn't have had as many of these problems. Like Japan is a perfect example with the whole Gox situation that any type of ex- crypto exchange or whatever type of services operating there, um, they have to actually show those proof of reserves. So again, I feel like our public servants have yet let us down again. And it's very sad that. They're kind of like the parents that just kind of let you run off into the wild and then get hurt. And then they come down and they just punish you like a million times harder. Pepe Coin says bad actors on team stole $15 million worth of Pepe. And I'm not shocked one bit. So apparently 16 trillion Pepe, that was the biggest red flag, was probably the supply. When you have a coin that has a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of supply, that's generally a big red flag for me. But apparently 16 trillion Pepe tokens were moved out of the project's multi-sig centralized exchange or centralized wallet last week. Three point, and that was 3.8% of the total supply and the, the tokens were sent to exchanges to be sold. The number of signatures required to operate the multi-sig wallet also changed from five or five out of eight to two out of eight, which is another big red flag. The project blamed former team members for the transfers and said the launch that the team included bad actors led by big egos and greed. And then they removed themselves from the multi-sig and deleted the social media account. So congratulations to the Pepe team for being absolutely horrible during a bear market. I feel actually just really sad for everybody who put money into this. This is something we talked about on the channel. And I told my audience, this is not something I'm really interested in. If you guys want to have fun with your disposable income, that's your business. But understand this thing is probably going to end up going to zero. However, what happens if the community actually takes over the coin like they did with Terra Luna and they can kind of make it a community-orientated coin? I don't even know if that's something that they can do, but um, 
thoughts? Anybody? Anybody? Well, I hear Zach on this one. Give us your best by meme the coin take. Burn by the Pepe. You live by the meme coin, you die by the meme coin. And all this shady business transpired. We talked about it Friday. There was all sorts of crazy stuff going on. Now we have at least one telling of what happened. Now we seem to know a little bit more according to the people coming out and saying this stuff. So it's all caveat, uh, et cetera. But yeah, we get a little bit of closure to something that on Friday seemed odd at the very best. And, you know, clearly something weird is going on here. So meme coins remain very, very risky, right? And I think Coindesk and others in the space who cover meme coins always sort of caveat the meme coin story, meme coin stories with that, right? That stuff like this can happen. This is one flavor of a bad outcome. There certainly are other bad outcomes in the world of pump and dump meme coins. This one is particularly unfortunate, I think, because it does suggest some core, some core incompetencies among the team that was behind this thing. So I would just second Wendy's comment, you know, tread carefully in the world of these things. It's sort of like their key feature is speculation. They're sort of like the most casino part of the crypto ecosystem and they should be treated cautiously. And we see it like time and time again that these things do happen. You know, for every doge or say shib that lasts and rides its initial hype cycle into something a bit more lasting, there are many other situations like this and others that get people hurt and get people to be sour on the space. So it's certainly something to be cautious about and uh, watch out out there in the world of meme coins, folks. These are these can be bad. And this is just, you know, again, one flavor of bad. But Jen, I'll toss it to you. Yeah, I third Wendy's comments. I think that none of us are shocked to see this happen. What I'm interested to see is like how the project recovers from here, what they do next. I think there are all of these really interesting stories that happen in the meme coin ecosystem and the DeFi ecosystem of projects suffering similar fates, but maybe the community takes over, maybe new developers come on board and the project turns into something that's a little bit more fruitful. So I'm interested to see how this pans out. I do feel sorry, though, for the people who, you know, this was their first time interacting with any crypto project. Maybe they got into it because of social media, because of the memes, because it's fun, like we've spoken about so much on the show. And then this happens. I think it leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth and does no good for adoption, which is what we all want. And so... I'm just going to wag my finger at the developers who were allegedly involved in this. Will, we, we spoke about this on Friday and you weren't here. And the big question was, why on earth would they change the multi-sig wallet from five to two? Like, What benefit would that give them, if any? And I'm still wondering that while we talk about the story. And I don't know if you have any answers for me. I, I can answer that. Easily, right? Yeah. Yeah. You've you seen people people. Cash out. But like... But if the five people all signed off on making it two people, couldn't they all have just signed off on cashing out? Well, maybe they didn't want to be, be scammers. assuming that all five people did. And maybe it was just like the two people had the other people's keys as well, right? So like, okay. it's just about the keys, not necessarily the people. So we don't know. And that's one of the things with these Pepe coins and all these meme coins is you have no idea what you're purchasing. And a lot of people wrote this all the way up and they wrote it all the way down. And congrats, you played the game and you get to talk about it at conferences now. You are a Pepe holder bag holder for life. And that's great. And I think a lot of people got into crypto that way. For people who put a lot of money into this, they also have learned a long life lesson, which will not be as great. But that's the that's the life of the meme coin. Like as Zach always says, right? Like this is this is what you sign up for, this is what you're gonna get. So it is what it is. I think that one thing that's interesting to talk about though is like having these meme coins in the midst of crypto winter, in the midst of like a very deep bear market where people don't talk about what's going on in the space or not like really interested in things in the space. And then you do have like a flash in the pan with these meme coins where they kind of bring back like the excitement of a bull market for a moment. And then it also reminds us of like what happens during a bull market, which is these things like burn out really quickly. 
Last thought on it is I wonder what happens to these multi-stakeholders if they're U.S. citizens and the SEC does look into something like this. There is precedent now after the last few years of people who have been rug pulling to this size going and having like legal action against them. So if there's a story like that in the next six to 12 months, I wouldn't be super surprised. Wendy? I honestly don't have anything more to say about this. Like we've been covering it on the channel and it's just, it's, it just sucks. Like this industry sucks sometimes. That's all. Just people do like ridiculous things and I just will never understand, but it's not meant for me to understand. And to everybody listening, please always consider taking profit. I don't think it's a bad thing to consider taking profit ever, or just maybe like not participating in things because it's not fun all the time. (laughs) Fair enough. And well said. All right. Continuing on the sad streak here at The Hash, we have a bit of sad news of our own. For over two and a half years, we've been hashing it out about the biggest stories in the crypto world, connecting the dots on what matters and why. This week, unfortunately, that journey comes to an end. The Hash will be on an indefinite extended hiatus on Coindesk TV and the podcast network following Coindesk's recent round of layoffs. Our last show is going to be this Thursday, August 31st. We are very bummed about leaving you all, but this week we'll take a look back at some of our favorite highlights, and we might also have a few special guests up our sleeve. So I say that, give you that announcement that we're going off air on the 31st for an extended period, but we are going to do some looking back, and we're going to start today. So we've had a lot of big industry players join this show, including politicians like Miami Mayor Francis Suarez and Bermuda's Premier David Burt. Let's take a look back to our conversation with David Burt at Consensus 2023 in Austin about how the country's regulations played a role in protecting it from the FTX implosion. Let's listen and then we'll chat. Well, I think it was unfortunate. It was unfortunate for uh, the persons who lost money. Um, It's unfortunate for all of those persons who were lured in. Uh, But the fact is that it just speaks to the importance of making sure that you not only have a strong legal environment, but you actually are doing the regulation which is necessary to prevent things because it harmed the overall industry and it caused a lot of pain for a lot of persons. And so from that perspective, you know, for us, we were, our regulator is very strict. So from that perspective, we haven't had any challenges like that in Bermuda. A trip down memory lane, guys. It's been real sad for us to go. What are you guys thinking? How are you feeling? Jen, what do you think, Jen? Why'd you have to toss it to me first? I really, I I think I said at the end of, yeah, the end of last week, I'm going to try so hard not to cry this week on the show. This is so sad. And looking back at that interview that we just saw, it was just like so wonderful to do the show IRL. We didn't have to hold our hands up. We could jam IRL. We talked to a lot of um, awesome people at Consensus. And I'm just really sad now. It's going to be really tough not talking to you guys every day, and not interacting with our audience who joins us every day. Will? No, yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, good run, though. I mean, it's kind of fun to look back at the, all the times that we looked at interesting things within the industry. Just having a purview of four box, too, was really fun. At one point, we were a five box, believe it or not. But just getting a different opinion from everyone who was on the show is probably the highlight for me because every topic has a different spin on it. And I think we definitely got a little little spin on every topic here on the show. Wendy? Jen, you're not allowed to cry because it'll make me cry. Stop. You're going to make... I'm going through so many personal things. And I'm just like, it's just a lot. Um, No, but I'm very grateful for the show. It's been an awesome show. I really enjoyed Consensus. Consensus has always been my favorite event. And I've enjoyed getting to know you guys and learning from you guys um, and fighting with Will about 
tech things because that's always fun to do and being combative and then calling Zach old yes. and then telling Jen how pretty <laughs> she looks. Yep. Yep. Checks out. Was it you, Zach? No, I'm glad that we launched into this David Burt one because I think the in-person experience for the hash was always super fun because you're right. We didn't have to do like the silly like hand stuff. We could vibe off each other a little bit more easily. And plus we got to like hang out with people who listen to the show or watch the show on a regular basis. So that was always cool. I think bringing the hash to the live experience. Uh, in addition to bringing on some great guests, we got to hang out with folks who cared about the show for its, again, its, its incredible 2.5 plus year run stretching all the way, way back. So yeah, going to be fun to reminisce with you guys this week. And it's going to be fun to think about what we can all plot next. I know we have a lot of schemes. We've, we've hatched a lot of half-baked schemes on this show. So we might have to revisit some of those uh, at some point during this week. I think the first one we should revisit is the garden flag. Garden flag, yes, Absolutely. yes, that the was one. That was yeah. pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. I think we were going to launch a bar at one point, or maybe it was a restaurant. I think that was a plan idea. A taco, yeah. a taco yeah. hut. Gotta have those. Gotta have those. So there's a lot. There's a hash lot hut. that we need to we need to unpack the evolution of the hash into its current form. It's been good. It's been good. That's all I got. I think we can leave the show there for today. But again. We will be here tomorrow. I can say that a few more times. And I can always say that it's been fun. I'm Zach Seward. That's Wendy O. We got Jen Sanasi. We got Will Foxley. We will check y'all tomorrow. Have a great one. See ya. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. <laughs>